I'm turning this evening to the book of Proverbs and chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15, and this can be found on page 680 of your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 32. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. I was going to begin this evening by saying that there has never been a time when people have loved themselves more, when people are pleasing themselves, doing as they want, casting off every care as it were, and living for this life. But then I thought, well, I've never lived in another generation. I've never been in uh, the Roman Empire. I've never been in any other empire. And so I cannot say that this is a time when people have loved themselves more than ever. And yet it's certainly true uh, that people generally love themselves. People have a selfish streak. It's true of all of us. We have a selfish streak. And uh, we live for the flesh uh, by nature. We live for the pride of life. We live for the here and we live for the now. And we wish to consume as much as we can. We, we wish to, to live a full life. And of course, there's nothing wrong with many things in life. But uh, we have a, an emphasis on materialism in this world. And it's always been, the, always been the case. People have always been like this. This is nothing new. And yet perhaps today it's even more pronounced than it has been in the past. And yet in contrast, or we might say in contrast, never has there been a time when people have uh, despised themselves so much. And you may say, well, that's strange to hear. Never been a time when people have despised themselves so much because the text tells us this evening that we can despise ourselves. We can despise our own souls. And uh, perhaps there's never been a time in the world when people have been so careless with their soul, never been so disinterested in the matters of the soul. And so we can simultaneously love the flesh and love the things of the world and seek to please ourselves in everything that we do and at the same time have no thought for our soul, to have no consideration for the things of eternity, no consideration for our spirit, if you like. And so uh, the verse will help us this evening. Despise, this word despise, it sounds uh, harsh, doesn't it? He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. This word is often uh, translated reject, something like that. He who um, refuses instruction rejects his soul or casts off his soul or refuses something. Abhor, these are all ways this word is translated. King Saul was rejected from being king. He that uh, refuses instruction rejects himself or herself. And so we have simultaneous uh, loving of self and, and rejecting of self in the same person. Uh, the word refuse here, he that refuseth instruction, just means to avoid or to dismiss. Instruction means uh, discipline or correction. 
often translated, but by extension, instruction. Um, and so we have uh, a wonderful verse for us this evening. He that refuses, avoids correction or instruction, despises, rejects, casts off his own soul. And uh, just as a man who rejects life-saving treatment of his body if he was terminally ill and rejected a life-saving treatment, we may think, well, he doesn't care for his body. Or just as a man that does that would be said to be uh, not caring for his body. Us too, if we reject our life-saving treatment for the soul, we could be said to despise our own souls. And so this evening, we have uh, the despising of the soul. Well, how do you do it? How do you despise your own soul? Well, you know, many in this world, they deny it even exists. And you could be here this evening and you've never thought about it. You've never thought about whether you have a soul or not. It's not something that really crosses your mind. And many millions of people in the world believe that they are something, nothing more than just an animal. We have evolved. We have come from uh, animals. We are just a, a higher species, if you like. Something a little bit more intelligent. But basically, there is just matter. And you are matter. You are just flesh and blood. And that's it. You came from nothing. And you don't have any soul. There's no spiritual part to you. Or maybe that's what you believe. Maybe that's what you think. So you can deny its existence and you say we've just evolved we've just come from nothing why do we believe that is evolution the best explanation of evidence that we see in the world you know if you went to a beach and you saw an elaborate sandcastle that was intricate in its design would you just go and say well that's a, a fortuitous event that's been brought about by some kind of windstorm or something like that? Of course you wouldn't. You would know that somebody's been there. Somebody has been to that beach. Somebody has built that sandcastle. You wouldn't question it. If you go to a, a car factory, you look at the sophistication and the design and uh, a car comes off the production line and you say, well, that was just a, a, a product of chance. Well, it would be, it would be ridiculous. Of course not. Evolution isn't the best explanation of evidence. How does life come from non-life? It would be uh, not even questioned, not even answered, not even tried. The explanation is not there. Evolution is not the best explanation of the evidence, but it suits us if we want to deny that we have a soul, that we're just some kind of matter. It suits us. It's a, it's a convenient theory. And so you can despise your soul, you can cast off or reject your soul by denying that you even have one. And that might be you this evening. You can maybe accept that you have one. You accept that your body and that your soul, but you reject that it has uh, immortality. You reject that it has any uh, scope and life to come after your body dies. And so you can... Uh, say, I have a soul for as long as I live. And then it's nothing. And many people, I had a, an interview this week with a, a famous person and it was a quick fire questions. 
And they said, what happens when you die? And he says, well, whatever happened before I was alive. And so it's just nothing, and then a life, and then nothing. And you may accept a soul, you may accept that you have a spiritual element to you, and yet I reject that it has any continuance after you die. Well, what would you do then if that was you? How would you live? Well, perhaps you would just eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow you die. And that's what we see in the world. There's no consideration for what comes after. No consideration that there might be life after death. And so the general application of that, the, the, uh, the natural consequence of such a view, is to live your best life. And we hear that all the time. Live your best life. And I wonder if this evening you've come into this place and you're trying to live your best life. You're striving for happiness and contentment in this life. Because this is it. You only go around at once. It's a, it's a ride at the fairground and you only get one go around. And you may think that about your life. I've only got one chance to be happy. One chance to be content. And so I have uh, a soul, but I don't have any thought for the next life. I don't have any thought for its immortality. The Apostle Paul uh, spoke at length about the resurrection He spoke at length about what will happen when we die. And many people rejected the resurrection. They said, there's no resurrection. And uh, the Apostle Paul said, well, many people saw the risen Lord Jesus. Many people saw him with their own eyes. The scriptures said he would rise from the dead, and he did rise from the dead. Many people saw him. And Paul goes on with other arguments, and he says, if there's no resurrection of the dead then everything that I've done is in vain. And Paul said, I've suffered so much to tell people about eternal life. I've, told, I've suffered so much to tell people that they have a problem of sin. I've suffered so much to tell people that they can have eternal life and to present to them the gospel and the Lord Jesus. And he says, what, what is the point of that? What is the value of that if there is no resurrection? Because if there's no resurrection, there's no point. There's no gospel message. And if there's no resurrection, the Apostle says, we may as well all just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's the logical conclusion. If there is no eternal life, we may as well try and do as we please. And so we can despise our soul by denying it has immortality. Well, we can despise our soul by refusing to believe that our soul is of divine origin. Everything is just matter. As I said, but the Bible makes it clear to us that our body was made from the dust, yes, but then uh, the Spirit, God breathed, God breathed into us uh, and breathed a stamp upon us. You see, you are different to the animals, are you not? You are more intelligent, of course, but there's way more than that. There are many more differences than that. And one of the differences between you and an animal, is that you have uh, the law of God uh, stamped upon your heart, uh, the, the conscience, the Ten Commandments written upon your heart. Where does it come from? Where does your uh, desire for justice come from? How do, how do you know the difference between right and wrong, that, that instinct that we have? Oh, the law of God written on our hearts our conscience 
bearing witness. And the Bible tells us we will be without excuse on the great day of judgment because our conscience bears witness to the fact that there is a God. Nature bears witness to the fact that there is a God so that we will be without excuse. And so we can maybe believe that we have a soul. We may even believe that it lasts beyond the grave. But we don't believe that there's a God that gave us that soul. We don't believe that we are any different, really, from an animal. And so when we go to the next life, well, people are looking down. People who have lived uh, lives away from God, oh, they're in heaven now. People like to believe that there is a heaven for everybody because they believe in some kind of immortality. They believe that there is life after death. But they don't believe in a God and a, a God with whom to whom we must give account. And so uh, we must uh, accept that there is a God and there is a God in heaven. But we may refuse to believe that and refuse to believe that God is the, the uh, giver of life, that God is the one who has made us in his own image, given us a body, given us a soul, and has stamped onto us uh, the Ten Commandments written on our hearts. But we refuse to believe Well, we can despise our souls by refusing to believe what it teaches us about what? About ourselves. We we refuse the teaching of the Bible because we don't really want to hear what it says about our soul, ourselves. Because the Bible is honest. The Bible is a book that teaches us about ourselves. What other book uh, will teach us about our hearts? What other book teaches us about human nature and the way it is. You see, the prevailing thought in the world is that man and men and women are good. We are good people that do bad things. We are good people, generally speaking. And there are some very bad people, and yet, generally speaking, we are good. And we are uh, people who are good with tendencies to do bad. But the Bible teaches us differently, doesn't it? It teaches us about ourselves. It teaches us that we have a problem with sin. It teaches us that we have fallen. We have fallen. Uh, human beings are, are fallen, peak creatures. We are those who are born not good but bad. We are those who are born in sin. Oh, from our mother's womb we are born into sin. And uh, we have a sin problem. And the Bible teaches us that we have a sin problem. The Bible teaches us that we have turned our own way. We have turned away from the one who made us. The Bible tells us we have sin. The Bible tells us the reasons for that. Our pride and the pride of life. And the fact that we don't want to have a God who rules over us. We refuse to believe that it teaches us. We refuse to believe the things it teaches us about ourselves. And we refuse to hear that reproof. We refuse to hear that instruction. Many passages of the Bible list the things that human beings are capable of, the sins that we're capable of. And some of the time we may read the list. You can read one in uh, Romans chapter 3. It says our our throat is an open sepulchre. Our throat, in the eyes of God, our throats are like open graves. So so awful is our sin to him. This is the, the, the condition of the human heart. And we are uh, he says the, the, the passage says that we've used deceit in our mouths. 
that we have never feared God, never sought God. Oh, the, the diagnosis is bad of the human heart and the reasons uh, why we don't believe in God. We have a sin problem. We are fallen from him. But we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it because we don't like reproof. We don't like to hear uh, that we have a sin problem. And so we may uh, cast these things out of our minds, put them away, refuse to hear. We refuse to believe what the Bible teaches us about ourselves. And moreover, we refuse to believe what the Bible teaches us about salvation. Because we want to make our own way. We want to have our own method. The Lord uh, teaches us the way of salvation from uh, the cover to cover in the Bible. As soon as Adam and Eve had sinned, the Lord provides a remedy. They sin, and before he even pronounces the punishment for sin, he says there will one, that's, one will come. One day a saviour will come. He will uh, bruise Satan's head. And the Lord Jesus was prophesied right from uh, the beginning of the Bible. Many, many uh, passages, many pictures of salvation in the Old Testament of the coming Saviour. Many explicit prophecies that he would come, that the Lord Jesus would come to die for sins. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, a very famous passage about the death of the Lord Jesus, the life and the death of the Lord Jesus, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, prophesied in the Old Testament. Many passages that we could point to that prophesy the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible from cover to cover tells us that yes, man has a sin problem. Man must be punished for sin, yes. It teaches us that. But it also teaches us of the remedy. It also teaches us that one day the Lord Jesus Christ would come. He would come from the royal courts of heaven where he had fellowship with his Father. He would come to this earth below. He would live a perfect life. He would live a perfect life of obedience to the Ten Commandments. Not one sin in thought or word or deed. He would perform many miracles, much wonderful teaching that he gave to us. Oh, the Lord Jesus Christ came to live a perfect life. Why did he live a perfect life? Well, the Lord Jesus was perfect. He was God. He lived a perfect life because he's God. And yet he came to this earth to do so in order that we might be forgiven. Because going to Calvary's cross, he was qualified. He earned heaven. He deserved heaven that we could never deserve. And dying there on Calvary's cross took the punishment for all them that would believe in him. And if you believe in him this evening, if you trust in him this evening, the Lord says, if we repent of our sins, if we trust in him, we will have everlasting life. Because our sins that must be punished are punished not in you, but in him. Our sins must be punished, but punished in him. He would take the punishment for sin if we trust in him. And what else do you need for eternal life in heaven? You need to be righteous. And the Lord Jesus Christ was righteous in every respect. And so that righteousness given to you, clothed in his righteousness, a great exchange if we trust in him. But we don't want to believe it. Salvation is free. Free to us if we trust in him. Salvation is uh, by the way of a saviour. He rescues us. We don't want to believe it. Oh, I want to make my own way. I want to do my own thing. 
I want to earn my salvation. Humans are, are proud. We have a sin problem. We have a, a problem of pride. And we want to earn our way to heaven. We want to think that we can do something, to contribute something. And of course we can't. No uh, works of righteousness. We are not saved by works of righteousness that we have done. Oh no, we could never do that. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. But we don't want to believe it. It's a shame, isn't it? It's so sad. What a tragic thing this evening. If, if you come to this place and you don't like this message, you don't like the fact that you can have a saviour uh, that would uh, grant you eternal life and wash you clean of your sin, you'd rather try and go and earn your salvation. And every other religion, every other system of religion uh, teaches that you can be saved by things that you've done. And you can contribute to your salvation. Oh, what a sad thing, that a free gift, a gift that the Lord will give to you, and you won't accept it because you have a sin problem. And we reject that, uh, that instruction. We reject that teaching. And in doing so, we actually despise ourselves. We despise our only means. We reject our only means of salvation. And therefore, at the same time as loving our life, and loving the world, and loving the things in the world, we despise our souls. And maybe then you can despise your soul by surrounding yourselves with people who have the same view as you do. And maybe that's what you do. You don't like to hear another view. You don't like to hear an opposite view. And actually what you do then is you, you fill your life with friends that have the same view as you. And you uh, rid yourself of anybody that doesn't have the same view of you. And I've been on the end of this before. You may have uh, been on the end of it yourself. But you can uh, give a view, as it were, on some kind of internet page. And the next thing you know, they're not your friend anymore. And it's, I, I can't bear that view. I don't want to listen to that. And so you're out the door. People don't like to listen to other opinion. And so uh, they surround themselves... Of pe- so people have the same with people who have the same view as them. Who are the who are the rulers in your life? Who have you appointed uh, prime minister and chancellor in your life? Well, uh, it's like a it's like a king who makes all the servants his chief ministers, and all the wise people he makes. The servants. He doesn't want to hear an alternative view. He just wants to hear, uh, yes sir, no sir. A bit like a powerful dictator surrounds himself with people who dare not speak against him. Maybe we can be guilty of that. And we surround ourselves uh, with people who have the same view as us. And so we don't hear the challenge. We don't hear a different point of view. And so we can be said to despise our souls. Well, that has a consequence. Despising our souls, a refusing instruction, it has a consequence because it means that we just live for the here and for the now. The body is the most important thing and the soul is neglected. But that means we're in great danger. We are in great danger because we never know when the Lord Jesus Christ will come again. We never know when he will come. Not uh, born of a woman, but in the, with the angels and descending from heaven with a shout and with a trumpet. We don't know when that will be. We don't know when we'll be called to account or for our sin. 
We don't know when we will be called uh, from this life into the next. Who knows when it might be when we stand before the Lord in glory. And it might be that you are building your house and it looks nice. You're building your house upon the sand. That powerful illustration that the Lord gave us. Or you can spend all your life uh, building a house. You're living for the here and now. It looks wonderful. It looks pretty. You may have a life that is successful. You may have a life that looks good to other people. Yeah, you may be uh, living for the here and now. And then all of a sudden, the rains came, the floods come. And that house falls because it has no foundation. The house built on the sand has no foundation. And it may be this evening that your life has no foundation at all. And uh, you've rejected the instruction of the Bible and therefore despised your soul. Well, we have a great promise, a great remedy for you this evening. It may be that you've done these things, but there's a great but in our message, in our text. He that refuseth instruction despises his own soul, but he that heareth reproof, he that hears reproof gets understanding. If we hear the Bible's teaching, if we hear the Bible's message, he that hears the Bible's teaching about his own soul, her own soul, he that hears the Bible's teaching about the way of salvation and how we might be saved from our sins, he that hears these things gets understanding. You know, uh, this word understanding, often translated heart, in the Bible. Solomon asked for a wise heart, a wise understanding, that's the same word, a wise heart. And that's a wonderful promise for us, isn't it? Oh, we may have been careless with our soul. We may have lived for the here and the now, maybe even rejected the notion of a soul, rejected the notion of uh, a judgment to come, living for the here and for the now. And yet, if you hear it this evening, if you hear instructions, warning voice, Oh, he that hears this thing, hears reproof, gets a heart, gets understanding. Oh, that's a wonderful promise. If you come to the Lord Jesus, if you repent of your sins, have true sorrow in your heart for the things that you've done which are wrong and offended him against his holy laws, you have true sorrow for sin, you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was pure and perfect and holy, you believe that he died for you and for your sins, If you trust in him, if you believe in him, you will get understanding, a heart, a new heart. Oh, the Bible tells us that if we are in Christ Jesus, we are new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. All of our uh, carelessness, oh, it's replaced. We become people of understanding. We understand why we have our selfish traits We understand why we're not content with the things we have, even though we have so much. We understand that uh, things and material things can never satisfy our souls. We understand that there's a judgment to come. Oh, all these things make sense to us now. We understand. We see it for ourselves. We see the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory. We see that he is the only way of salvation. We see that we could never earn or deserve anything from him. Such is the debt that we owe. It would just be nothing in terms of repayment. If we hear the Bible's teaching, the Lord gives us understanding. He gives us a heart and we'll be new people and we'll understand 
and will be saved from our sins. What a wonderful thing this evening that we can come to him, that we can confess our sins and he will help us. Have you done it? Have you ever come to him in repentance and faith? Have you ever trusted the living God? Well, if you haven't, there's a sense in which you've refused instruction, refused to hear. But if you hear this evening, hear instructions, warning voice, hear the diagnosis, but hear the cure, then you will be given understanding. You will be given a new heart, a new life, a new relationship. The Lord Jesus Christ will put your feet upon a rock and you will have a life built on the firm foundation, salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will never be moved. He will never be lost. And you will be sure of your salvation, sure that the Lord Jesus Christ will come for you one day. Well, may each of us get understanding. May each of us understand our own hearts and to ask ourselves, to question ourselves, have I come? Have I ever repented of my sin? And if the answer to that question is no, then may we come urgently, seeking the Lord while he may be found. Well, may the Lord help each one of us. Amen.